0: broadcasting live from the finley cadillac performance studio this is unnecessary roughness you gotta score points to win you can't win without scoring points
1: touchdown raiders he went right through the line and gives vegas a touchdown to extend the lead
0: unnecessary roughness on raider nation radio nine twenty a.m here's your boy q
1: and here we go, Raider Nation, back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, Demont Cotton behind the wheels of steel, your boy Q here with you for the next three hours, coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show. Of course, that followed the morning tailgate in between those two. Of course, the Rich Eisen Show. You'll hear actually a little bit of sound from the Rich Eisen Show coming up in just a little bit here as we get into the opening drive on Unnecessary Roughness. Excited to be here for you uh, this afternoon. Excited because the weather is beautiful. Man, I mean, it's the first day in a long time I actually brought... A sweatshirt out of the closet, but I never put it on. I took it with me, never put it on. It's uh like 90 degrees or it's supposed to be 90 degrees this afternoon. So uh glad that we're inside. Know that it's going to be an oven pretty soon uh here in Las Vegas, but a uh, nice, nice weather out uh, that we're having today. It's funny. I was just on a radio show in uh, Alabama and they were complaining about their weather and well, what was it look like in Vegas, Q? And I was like, ah. I can't complain, brother. (laughs) I cannot complain. Everything is on the up and up. Everything is looking good. But uh, like I said, excited about uh, sharing the next three hours with you here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a lot of really good guests coming up on today's show. We are jammed. Packed. We're still going to get some uh, thoughts from you, though, from the Brand Nation listener line at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line will be very active at 69187 keyword R&R. But man, when I tell you we are packed to the gills with guests, we are absolutely packed to the gills. And sometimes that's just how it shakes out. So coming up. Starting at two thirty, Gilbert Manzano, Monday Morning Quarterback. Of course, he spent a lot of time here in the Las Vegas area as well as covered the Rams, has covered the Chargers. Now he's Monday Morning Quarterback for SI, doing a fantastic job. And he put out a piece this morning that I caught my attention. I immediately had to pick up the phone. And was like, all right, man, I got to get this guy on because we've been talking so much about the draft, and we'll continue to do that. Is it sixteen days away from the first round? Uh, just booked my uh, my flights. Just booked my uh, Airbnb, and I'll tell you right now, I know all Airbnb's, I say it all the time, are not created equal. This one is a good one. (laughs) This one, my friends, is a good one. When I report back from Kansas City, I'll say, you know what? I got me a good Airbnb, so I'm excited about that opportunity.
0: How do you know you're not getting catfished like last time?
1: I didn't get catfished last time. I just didn't get exactly what I was hoping I was going to get, right? I mean, it was just a little bit, uh, you know, underwhelming. But this one, uh, it looks really good, and I might have paid a little bit more for it just because I wanted to make sure that it was good. But it's close to the location of the draft, which is most important, right? So uh, we'll be there in Kansas City from the 25th all the way through the 29th. So this show would be generated from – Kansas City on the 25th, 26th, 27th, 28th, and then on Saturday the 29th we'll fly back. So we've got a lot of coverage for you coming from Kansas City. There'll be times when we get to actually meet with the prospects, and there's going to be a lot of guys in the green room, and I'll be able to talk to just about every one of them. I'll have sounds from all of those, and as it'll be different from last year because last year we had all the sounds from everyone that was here in Vegas in, in the green room, but we all knew that the Raiders didn't have a first-round pick or a second-round pick, so it was most likely I wasn't going to talk to a future Raider. When I'm in Kansas City, I'll be talking to a future raider. Maybe two or three, right? I mean, that's the chances that that there could be multiple guys that the Raiders select in the first round that, uh, you know, that are there in the green room, or one guy that'll be in the green room and maybe they trade back up. I mean, who knows how it shakes out, but I'll talk to at least at least one guy that's going to be a future raider. So that's exciting. Plus we'll talk to plenty of analysts from NFL Network, ESPN. I mean, just all the networks will all be there. So that'll be a lot of fun. Very informative as we lead into the draft. And, of course, we'll have plenty of uh, coverage of the NFL draft with Raiders as well, with the organization, uh, JT and Eric Allen. Uh, They'll be be able to provide a lot of uh, different coverage. Lincoln Kennedy will be part of the coverage as well. So we're putting it all together. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of the 2023 NFL draft, one that I think is very important for the future of the Silver and Black. So uh, Gilbert Manzano put out this piece on Monday Morning Quarterback NFL Draft. The 20 best draft picks over the past 10 years. And check this out. Only two top three picks, 13 players selected 10th or later, and six players taken after the first round. That's the 20 best draft picks over the past 10 years. Only a couple quarterbacks, right? Some defensive linemen, only one DB, right? I mean, there's it's it's... It's a really good piece, and it's very informative because we have conversations, not quite arguments. I don't want to say it's arguments, but we have disagreements on value, on where you should get this guy, who's this guy, is this a difference maker, this, that, and the other. And going back through Gilbert's piece, fantastic stuff. Only two top three picks, 13 players selected 10th or later, and six players taken after the first round. And then he said one position dominated. That's 20 best draft picks drafted over the past Ten years. And I will say, one of the players that was selected on this piece was selected by the Raiders. So there's that. So Gilbert Manzano will join us coming up at 2.30 to break it all down and talk about it. Excited about that conversation. Give you a little bit of perspective as we get a little closer and closer to the NFL draft. Then at 3 o'clock, John McClain, gallerysports.com, our good friend, Sports Radio 610 in H-Town. He'll join the show. And I'll tell you right now, DeMond, he's coming for you. He's coming for you, dude. What I do. You're, you're on his hit list. Every single week he's he's fired out a shot to you. Even last week. Remember we said that uh that people were talking bad about you while you weren't here? John was one of them. Yeah, it is two
0: weeks in a row. Yeah, that's I got like, I got it, man.
1: That's what I'm saying. You gotta straighten this out. Well, he's upset that you haven't invited him on, on his show yet.
0: You know what? I'll extend the invitation today.
1: That he he's got no
0: You know what? <laughs> I don't even know what we're gonna talk about. It, doesn't,
1: <laughs> well, we'll it doesn't matter. It does. It's John McClane. He wants to come on your show. You find a spot for him, right? I mean, that's just what it is. But yeah, John, John's got a bone to pick with you, so I'm just saying, man. You know, I I feel like I feel like well, you know, my, my, my grandmother and my grandfather when they say, hey, son, I got a bone to pick with you, like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Right? You know something's going down. Well, John McClain's got a bone to pick with you, DeMond, so you're in trouble. He'll join the show at three o'clock as he does each and every Tuesday at three thirty. Uh, Stacey Joe Ross, Seattle Sports, she'll join us to talk all things Seahawks as they pick at number five. And, you know, I talk about all the different spots in the draft where things could really kind of kind of turn, make a turn left or right or whatever the direction may be. Number three we all look at because of the Arizona Cardinals, we think they're going to trade out. But man, Seattle could really do some things too. Seattle could really mess some things up. They could muck it up. Let's put it like that. They could take a quarterback. They could take a defensive tackle like Jalen Carter. They could take a DB if they want to. I doubt it because they took two last year. I doubt that they'll take one. But I mean, there's so many different directions. They could trade back. They have two first round picks. I mean, they, they have a lot of different directions they can go and when's the next time they're going to pick at number five, right? I mean, they have Geno Smith under contract for the next couple years, but what if they want a quarterback? What if they want to trade up to that number three spot and go get a quarterback? What if they want to move up to even number two and go get a quarterback because, hey, he can sit behind Geno because it's only a three-year deal. And is he going to strike gold twice in a row? Is this who Geno is going to be consistently or is it a one-off?
0: I think the question for me with the Seahawks is how close do you think they really are? Because I think the NFC is wide open, especially in their division. You're looking at the 49ers; they lost Jimmy G. Do you expect speaking of striking lightning striking twice? Do you expect Brock Purdy to be that guy? Trey Lance? I think the division's wide Purdy's open. Purdy's not for- even going
1: to play at first, right? Purdy's out for a while because of the the uh, the the Tommy John basically surgery that he's having, so he's going to be out for a while. Trey Lance? Who knows about him? That guy can never stay healthy. So, there's something, you know, one of the guests that we get on the show at some point, oh, you know what, we'll ask, we got Bonte Hill coming up today, too. We'll ask him, but why do 49er quarterbacks always get injured? That, <laughs> think <laughs> I, about that. It,
0: they do, but it's like you can't. No, it's, think
1: about it. I'm not I'm not BSing. They always get injured. Think about it.
0: Jimmy Dree had the in- the injury history before he got the. No, he didn't. How often
1: did he get injured before he went to San Francisco? I'll wait.
0: When They they tried to give him the reins when Tom Brady got suspended, and he played, like, one game, and then they had to bring in Jacoby Brissett.
1: They did. That was the one injury. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Okay. They did. So, yeah, he got – okay, so he has the injury history, but Trey Lance, Brock Purdy – Freak accident. I mean, is it? Or is it Kyle Shanahan setting him up for failure? Right? I don't know. I just feel like that there's something – there's, like, a coalition that goes between, you know, those two two entities, like 49er quarterbacks and Kyle Shanahan – gets folks injured. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk to Bonte about that later on in the show. But uh, Stacey Joe Ross from Seattle Sports will join us at 3.30 to talk all things Seahawks and how they can muck up the the draft at the number five spot and maybe even trade up a little bit if they decide to do that. I mentioned Bonte Hill from 95.7 The Game. He will join us at 4 o'clock talking all things dubs, but we will talk about the 49ers and their quarterback history when it comes to getting injured and see if that's just a cute thing. Uh, I know Paul Gutierrez one day. Matter of fact, I think it was after – the 49er Raider game on uh, New Year's at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, we were talking about Brock Purdy and we were talking about Jared Stidham. And I think he had mentioned that he felt like Kyle Shanahan sets up the quarterback to get injured too. Not on purpose, obviously, but it's just like a Kyle Shanahan led team always gets their quarterback injured. It's just, it's something strange about that. And so, um, well, we'll talk to, we'll talk to Bonte about the Warriors uh, as they get ready for the playoffs starting on Saturday. They're going up against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, we'll do that at four o'clock. And then, 4.30, my good friend Nikki Lattarulo, sports reporter at WSMV in Nashville. Uh, she, she's one. I know her from Central Texas, so we, we, we go back to the days of covering Baylor together, and now she's doing really well in Nashville. Obviously, I'm here in Las Vegas, but I was watching. I don't know if you've seen this show yet, DeMond. It's called On the Clock on ESPN. I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it last night, and I saw Bryce Young, and then I saw uh, H- Henning Hooker right afterwards. It was back-to-back episodes, and I'm not a big Manning guy, You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the Manning cast. Like, I don't have to tune into Monday Night Football to watch the Manning cast. I know some people really enjoy it. I'm not that dude. I just want to watch the game. I don't need to hear, like, the side commentary and all that other stuff and interviewing people, but – this is, a, this is done by the Mannings, right? It's done by Omaha Productions. It's Archie Manning, Eli, and Peyton. And so they've done two episodes. You know, this is kind of replacing the Gruden football camps or a quarterback camp, whatever it was that Gruden used to have back in the day before he decided to become the Raiders coach again. Uh, so This is kind of re- re- replacing that. But it was really well done. It was put together really, really well, man. I was pretty impressed. I was watching. I was like, man, I got to actually pay attention to it. So I actually went and recorded the series. Right. Anytime that on the clock is on, I want to make sure it records just in case I miss it. But I was able to see Bryce Young and I was able to see Hendon Hooker last night and thought it was great. Well, it's funny. At the end of the Hendon Hooker episode, Nikki Latarulo is on it. And she says, well, the biggest fears were confirmed that Hendon Hooker has a torn ACL and his Tennessee career is now over. Anyway, it was just a quick clip at the end. And I was like, oh, hey, that's my friend Nikki. And so I almost, you know how I am. I just, I don't think there's any time. So I'm literally sitting in bed. The wife is asleep. She's knocked, right? She's out of there, just done. She had worked out earlier. So, she, you know, she's out. <laughs> I mean, like, probably drooling on herself at that point. So all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I got to get Nikki on the show to talk about Hen and Hooker. So I started to reach over and, and text her. And then I realized it was like 10. And knowing that she's in Tennessee, I was like, or Nashville, I'm like, yeah, it's probably like midnight there. Mm-hmm. I'll just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> But I almost did. You know me. Yeah. I'll text at any time. Time doesn't, doesn't exist. It does not exist in my world. I don't care. It's, it's it, Look, we got to get the job done. We got to get the job done. So uh, anyway, texted her this morning. And so, uh, yeah, she's going to jump on. It's funny. I asked her about that show. And I said, hey, I don't know if you know it, but I saw you on the end of that. And she's like, Q, so many people have told me. And she's like, I don't know why they randomly picked my, my little clip from my newscast. But, yeah, I'm on it. I said, no, I know. I know, I identified you at 10 o'clock last night, so there's that. So she'll join us at 4.30, talk all things Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee Volunteers that are going to be in the draft upcoming, just like Jalen Hyatt, and we'll also talk about the Tennessee Titans in the NFL draft because I do believe sitting at number 11, they're a team that are players to move up they could potentially be that number three team, right? They could make that move all the way up to three with the Cardinals and make a big trade to go get their quarterback. I, I don't believe they they believe in Malik Willis. I'm not sure if Malik Willis believes in Malik Willis at this point. So we'll see what happens, but I do think Tennessee could be players uh, at that number three overall spot. So we'll talk to Nikki about that as well. So as you can tell, we are loaded on today's show. Excited about it. Gilbert Manzano at 230, John McClain at three, Stacey Joe Ross at 330, Bonte Hill at four, and nikki Sports reporter from WSMV4 in Nashville. We'll close things out at four thirty. And of course we'll hear from you throughout the course of the show as well. 702 365 9200 w Broke.com text sign is 69187, keyword R Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive.
2: The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
1: So because of Gilbert Manzano's piece that I was reading Monday Morning Quarterback, and we'll talk to him about it in about 15 minutes from now, uh, I, I was realizing how much the hit rate, how low it is when it comes to the NFL draft, right? Everything that is a sure shot, that safe pick, is never a safe pick. We just saw today Jeffrey Okuda, former number three overall pick, traded to the Atlanta Falcons for a fifth round pick. on, this is just a couple years ago. He was a first round pick, number three overall, now traded for a fifth round pick. We see Devin White in Tampa Bay wants to be traded. He was the number five overall pick right behind Cleve Farrell just a few years ago. Now I know it's a little bit different because he wants out, not them necessarily wanting him out, but. The point is, and I had someone hit me up, I was like, CQ, that's why you don't take a corner early because they don't, they don't amount to, to what it's supposed to be. And I was like, that's for everybody. That could be a quarterback. That could be a defensive lineman. That could be an offensive lineman. Does anyone in the Raider Nation remember Robert Gallery? Remember how safe that pick was? Didn't work out too well. They put that guy in 15 different positions before they found a spot for him. Right? I mean, it just didn't work out. Corners sometimes don't work out. Cleve Ferrell Does anyone remember Klee? Has he been gone that long? I mean, he tried really hard. He was a good guy. He gave everything he got. It wasn't his fault he was overdrafted, but he was. So it doesn't matter what position you grab. If you don't get the right guy, guess what? You don't get the right guy. It just doesn't translate. And I don't know, DeMond, at what point, and I'll ask John McClain this when he joins us at three. At one point, was it easier to evaluate these guys and and determine – who was going to be a, a a successful pick and who wasn't. Because right now, again, as much as we break it down, we talk to everybody, we do this, that, and the other, we got the analytics, we got the metrics, we got, you know, they got the it factor, he's got the size, the way, he's got all that. No matter how much we do, we really, at the end of the day, don't know. And I guarantee you, April 27th is going to come, I'll be in Kansas City, and the first round will go, and I'll tell you who did good and who didn't right? The, the very next day, right? On, on this very show. Hey, they did really well. They did really well. Ah, uh, not so much there. They did really well. But guess what? We won't know for like three years. I think that the Raiders did pretty well with their draft last year. But we still don't know. I mean, Dylan Parham, you know that he's a, a successful player. He was good his rookie year. Thayer Mumford, seventh round pick, still, you know, still has to, obviously some work to do. But Neil Farrell, Matt Butler, they still got, they still got to prove themselves. Right, You just don't know immediately, and that's why the draft is such a crapshoot. It's, it's, it's so hard to really break it down and determine who's the hit, who's not. We talked C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are the best two quarterbacks in the draft. What if they don't pan out? When's the last time that an Alabama quarterback actually went to the league and just dominated? When's the last time Ohio State quarterback went to the league and dominated? Not saying that they can't, but it's not like they're just it's a factory of quarterbacks that are successful in the league. I mean, really, you can go back to the snake. <laughs> You know, I mean, guys like that, guys from the old school. I mean, it's not like there were just, it's a factory that it's like USC. Remember at one time, USC mm-hmm. was putting quarterback, quarterback, quarterback in the league. They weren't even all that great. You know, there were some of them that were good, really good. And there was others that were just like, eh, that was a USC quarterback. Cool.
0: I think they all were just like that. But for me, what you said there, there's no such thing as safe pick in the draft. Because we, like I said, we can all do the breaking down and all the analyzing. But there's no such thing as a safe pick. So when people want to say, "Hey, you want to go with the safe pick?", I think that Cleve Farrell was considered a safe pick. But even though you're, but open- it was a super reach at four. Yeah, it was. It was still a yeah. super reach. But even the guys that you think are safe are not safe, whether it be injury or just the lack of production.
1: Akuda was supposed to be the safe pick at three. That's a smart pick by Detroit. That's a safe pick. He's going to be a cornerstone corner for years to come. That was a guy, I say it all the time, covered him in high school. Oh, this guy, no, he's going to the league. Hell, Jared Stidham was that guy. Remember, I I said it all the time. He was in in high school. He's going to the league. Oh, he's going to be great. He's a glorified backup. Got his first career start with the Raiders on New Year's.
0: Yeah, I can't think of like obviously we could pick some players that hey that's considered a safe pick. Maybe off the top of my head, Joe Thomas had three, where that's probably going to be a safe pick. But you got to think about like those guys yeah, that are fantastic. that are like bona fide Hall of Famers, or even in Gilbert's list, there are some players like you said. How many guys picked out of, even outside of the first round where they weren't right. safe picks? So that's just it's a it's a fallacy that we that we try to convince ourselves in that that that's that's why a team is making the right pick by saying this guy's safe.
1: Right. Out of, out of the top 20 picks in 10 years in Gilbert's piece, only two were top three picks. Think about that. Does that make you change your mind a little bit when you think about trading up to number three? <laughs> or do you just say, hey, it's a crapshoot? Because honestly, I think that's what it is. So it really, it leads me to the question that I have. With the hit rate being so low, especially in the top 10 of the NFL draft, is it worth it in your mind to, and I say this in air quotes, take a chance and go for the home run swing I mean, think, let's put it in baseball terms. You know, these guys all swing for the fences now. Ain't nobody trying to get a base hit. So is it, does it make more sense to try to go up there, swing for the fences, go for the home run, or does it make more sense to, and again, in air quotes, try to play it safe and get the safe pick? You know, I've been told that, well, the trenches are guaranteed to be safe. Not always. Hell, Alex Leatherwood wasn't safe. <laughs> right? And I know he went top 10, he went 17, but that wasn't safe. I mean, you just get the wrong guy, you get the wrong guy regardless. Christian Derisaw, that would have been great. Alex Leatherwood, not so much. So the question I ask, again, with the hit rate being so low, especially in the top 10, in your mind, is it worth it to try to take a chance to swing for the fences? Or do you think it's smarter, better business to try to play it safe and get the pick that you feel like, okay, this is going to be a good player and this is why for some years to come? Similar to, like I said, Jeffrey Okuda. It just didn't work out mainly because of injury, but it still ultimately didn't work out. 702-365-9200 in the com text line at 69187, keyword RNR. You can hit us up. We got one text from the 707. Bonte, the known Raider hater, always disregarded talking Raiders on his station. Don't know why he comes on here. Well, as I mentioned, first of all, Bonte is like my brother. He's a really good dude. Uh, he's coming on to talk Warriors and also talk about 49er quarterbacks that, potentially get injured a lot in Kyle Shanahan's system. So to answer the question, that's why Bonte Hill, my brother, from 95.7 The Game is coming on. And it ain't his fault if his radio station tells him he can't talk about certain things on the radio. Not his fault. Quick story, I actually thought I was going to go to that station. And they literally told me that they weren't talking Raiders. It wasn't the decision on why I didn't go. I just didn't get hired. But that's just, I mean, he can't control what he can't control. So, And it's probably why you didn't get hired. Probably. Not to mention, I don't think I interviewed that well. Because the guy that I thought I was going to interview was not the right guy that I interviewed with. I interviewed with someone else, and I was like, oh, okay. Wasn't expecting that. That was a twist. But, you know, it teaches you to be prepared for what you need to be prepared for. So, getting back to the subject. 702-365-9200 dot don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword R&R. Who's up first, Damon? Tom in the nation's capital. Tom, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Q. Hey, everybody.
2: How you doing today?
1: Fantastic.
2: Well, as far as the draft goes, uh, Gonzalez, Weatherspoon, or Wilson, any of those guys not only would be safe, but you could also count on them to come in and be productive in year one, which you would not be able to do if you picked quarterback. Now, having said that, there's two things that I really, really am looking forward to. Number one, it's hearing about all of your adventures in traveling because we know how well that's been documented. And I'm, I'm just waiting to hear what the latest Q story is going to be on your trip to and from Kansas City. And I also want to know who's going to be recording your face when the Raiders make the number seven pick. That's a great
1: question. Thank you so much. It's good to hear from you, my man. And, yeah, my adventures in traveling are always something. There's always some element. Even when they go good, Damon. there's always some element that comes into play. Like, really? Only I can have this happen to me. Only me. It's it's the most bizarre thing. I don't know why. I don't know what I did, but clearly it's something. So yeah. And as far as who's gonna be videoing me, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, every year, usually like the wife will will record me if I'm not at the draft. Uh, one year, my co-host Craig Smoke recorded me. Oh, when the Raiders drafted Cleve Earl. He recorded me from the backstage in Nashville. And then when the Raiders took Alex Leatherwood, she recorded me at the house. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to find somebody. I guarantee I'll find someone. I know Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Silver and Black, he's going to be there. We plan on meeting up together. He's going to be covering the draft the whole uh, the whole time, matter of fact. So he's going to be doing what his he does. Um, I'll figure out someone, I promise you. And as far as your picks go, Wilson, Gonzalez, Witherspoon, those all seem like really good picks. They all do. But, you know, they <laughs> – they all sound good, right? Like my grandmother used to say, sounds good, looks good, feels good. Don't always necessarily mean it is good. So uh, that's the thing about it. So Tom is going with a safe pick. and He, he rolled out his name. He'd rather have the safe pick than the – to take the big home run risk, and on top of that, he wants the early production. So there's something to be said about early production.
0: When it comes to the safe pick, are we just saying that they have low bust potential? Yeah. Where at least this guy will be Yeah, the one that
1: you feel like, hey, I can guarantee that if that guy— and you can never guarantee anything, but I think Mm -hmm. that that guy is going to be someone who's going to come in and produce and be a good player and not going to risk on being a bust, like you mentioned, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it doesn't matter like if he doesn't reach the All Pro potential. Right, as no, he's just sta- he started player. for three, four years. Right, we got the most good out player. of player. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I, man,
0: that's still as the guys that he he, he didn't mention mention uh, Tyree Wilson, right? Yeah, I think that would be the guy for me that I would think. I
1: like Wilson a lot. Yeah, I like Wilson a lot. We're supposed to have his his head coach Joey McGuire. I reached out to him again today, so he said he's on it. We're supposed to have him on sometime this week, so hope to have him on. But I think Tyree Wilson would be a hell of a player. I really do, and I think he fills a couple of voids. He could play outside. He could play inside. I think he's still getting better too. But that's the other problem, you know. You always talk about potential. Oh, he's he's potentially getting better. And if he doesn't, then all of a sudden you look back and say, oh man, maybe that guy really wasn't worth the salt, right? I mean, it's just it's it's so it's so difficult to really analyze and break down. And that's why Gilbert's piece, and we'll talk about it and break it down in a few minutes, was so good to read and just realize it's the reality of what. Is the NFL draft? Who we got up next, Damon? Dan in Kansas City. Dan in KC. I'm coming to your city. What's up, my man? Hey, man. We got to get a beer, have some barbecue. I'll take you to some good places. Done.
2: (laughs) I'm waiting for you. That deal
1: records.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my theory about the draft picks. I don't ever want to trade up. I don't like
3: giving up draft capital because to me, first round especially of a draft is is definitely a crapshoot. And obviously, the Raiders don't have a good history of drafting anyway. You got to cast a wide
2: net and throw as many lines in the water as you can with hopes of landing a big fish because the more more chances you take the more chances you win just like the lottery more tickets you buy the chances
1: go up Yeah yeah that's true that's true that's a good that's a good breakdown right there Dan thanks for the call appreciate you and you know that's that's the thing about it you you can have and I like how the Raiders are sitting right now I think 12 picks is great right you have 12 picks you have 12 cracks at it I don't think you need all 12 I think you can get you know kind of picky with it and 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 you know decide okay I'm targeting this guy I'm targeting that guy but uh, you know the the more shots you have at it the better that's for sure we'll see how it all shakes out so Dan thanks for your uh, thanks for your call we'll definitely have to link up when I get to Kansas City and I'm telling you I'm excited about going to Kansas City I only spent the night in KC once <laughs> right I have never been there and actually spent some quality time there all right I, I tell the story all the time I got there and literally the day I got there the pandemic started and so I got my my tail back on the an airplane and flew back to Central Texas did my podcast on a uh, on a bus stop. So, I mean, you know, there obviously was no time spent. I can't remember what, I think I went to some place to get something to eat that night before I did my podcast on the bus stop, and it was literally by the arena where the Big 12 Championship Tournament was going on, and it was right there. It was some weird-looking bar, and I remember I met up with a couple media people, and I had some fries, and I, I didn't. I didn't really have Kansas City food, right? I just had whatever was available. Like, hey, we ain't closed the kitchen down on this, that, and the other, so you can have that. So I was like, done. That was it. So, so Dan, I'll be headed your way uh, sooner rather than later on the 25th, man. Excited about the trip. 226 is the time. Continue to hit us with your feedback. Six nine one eight seven. Keyword R and R. Since it is such a crapshoot in the upcoming draft, especially in the top ten, in your mind, is it worth it to take a chance to swing for the fences? Or play it safe. Both of those, obviously, in air quotes. Let us know about it. Gilbert Manzano joins us next. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.
2: That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever.
0: You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. On
1: Raider Nation Radio. Got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword R&R. This is from the 626Q. Rolando McClain was supposed to be a safe pick. How did he turn out? The nation needs a leader to go toe-to-toe with 15 red. Draft Anthony Richardson. Go Raiders. That's from the 626. Thank you so much for that text. And really, that's kind of the point of the whole conversation and the question that I threw out there. With the hit rate being so low, especially in the top ten of the NFL draft, is it worth it in your mind to take a chance to swing for the fences or play it, in air quotes, safe? And the man that really got this whole conversation started is our next guest. I'm very excited about him. Gilbert Manzano from Monday Morning Quarterback on SI. And Gilbert, thanks so much. You caused all this today, and I appreciate it. Your piece that you put out on Monday Morning Quarterback was fantastic. It's called the NFL Draft, the 20 best draft picks over the past ten years list includes only two top three picks, 13 players selected, 10th or later, and six players taken after the first round, and one position dominated. And Gilbert, thanks so much again for your time. Great piece as always. What did you learn, and how much were you kind of blown away as you were doing the research for this piece?
2: Yeah, first of all, Q, thank you for having me on, and, and sorry for all the chaos. And also, I'm from the six two six area code too, so maybe that was my text from Alexander McLean. I don't know. So I'm just causing trouble all day. Shout out to Pasadena six two six. Nice. Uh, and, and yeah, thank you for sharing the notes the, on the on that story because it is kind of interesting that I only listed two top three picks. You know, one number one being Joe Burrow, and one number two being Nick Bosa. And then there's, like, a weird sweet spot between 10 and 30 where you got Patrick Mahomes at number 10 for the Chiefs. Uh, you got Aaron Donald at 13. You got T.J. Watt at number 30. You can get Tyreek Hill at number 165. So, uh, you know, I think the sweet spot was, a, was, was the first round, 10th, and then the 30th pick. You get a couple of hits there in the second round, like Devontae Adams, the, the Raiders wide receiver there. But the sense that I got, I was like, okay, the real stars, the blue chip guys, the core players—they all come for the first round. Now, the weird part is like they're not really coming from the the top ten. So, uh, like you mentioned, the Raiders have a number seven pick, and they got to deal with like maybe getting Anthony Anthony Richardson or maybe trading down. So, uh, based on my uh, my four hours uh, of research. Uh, Uh, Pick number 10 through 30 is the way to go, apparently.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it really was eye-opening because right now, Gilbert, a lot of the conversation is, well, do you trade up to number three? Do you trade up to number three? Do you trade up to number three? Well, history shows – Number three is not always that sweet spot, and that's not always guaranteeing you're going to get a stud or even a guy that's going to pan out. And that's what, you know, seeing this thing, I feel like this piece, it feels like it really kind of opened my mind to what we're going to see unfold in about 16 days in Kansas City. You're going to see a lot more misses than we will hit, especially in the first round.
2: Yeah, Q, I think if it's not like a for sure consensus consensus number one quarterback like a Joe Burrow or a Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck, like it gets risky after that because, you're kind of just taking like the number two or three quarterback that maybe you're not in love with, but you feel the pressure to get a quarterback and we were drafting that high. You start thinking, you you start overthinking a little bit like, Hey, if I'm the coach or the Raiders, the whole point is not to be top 10. Like you, you want to like, you know, get your guy and then start winning games. so you could be in the back end of the first round. So it's a lot of pressure and urgency, but, yeah, if you look at even 2021, like Zach Wilson is already a bust, and the, and the I, I should maybe I shouldn't say, it. maybe it's too soon, but it's so weird how the Jets just went and got Aaron Rodgers, and nobody cares about Zach Wilson, the number two pick in 2021, and then Trey Lance uh, lost his job to Jimmy G, Brock Purdy. So you got two examples right there, and then you know, like I mentioned on that on that list, like besides Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, like it, it, you don't really get a lot of number three guys. Like you could go back to Baker Mayfield, number one in 2018. You go. Sam Darnold, number three in 2018 as well. So, uh, how about 2015? Uh Mayota and uh, Jameis Winston, one and two there. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz, one and two in 2016. I could keep going on and on. So, uh, Q, it is, it's a little risky, but I guess you're right. Maybe you get a little patient. You let the board uh, come to you. Uh, you go best player available. And from the Raiders' point of view, like, yeah, maybe you miss out on Anthony Richardson, but you still got to build that defense. And how about a guy like uh, 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 Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez to get a cornerback? So, Uh, maybe this time of year you don't want to press and overthink it, uh, but as history shows, if you're looking for a quarterback, maybe it's better to wait.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, again, out of the top 20, only four of the guys were quarterbacks in general. And we're talking about potentially four quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock draft, he has quarterback going one through four. That's four quarterbacks right there, and there hasn't been four great quarterbacks drafted in the last 10 years. Right? I mean, think about that. So if you look at it, what's the chances of – four hits in a row in this upcoming draft with the quarterback position.
2: Oh, they're very they're very slim. Like go back to 2018, when, like I mentioned Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, the only one that really made it was, you know, for sure made it was Josh Allen. And then you got Lamar Jackson, pick number 32. Right. Uh, so Josh Allen was number 7 in that draft. Uh and then even go back to the, you know the 2020 draft, uh Herbert was a number 3 quarterback ticket in that draft. Yeah, Burrow special. There's still kind of mixed feelings on Tua, but Maybe sometimes you do get if you you get a little patient. Sometimes you do get that third guy being your guy. So you never know. Uh, but yeah, when you have so many quarterbacks like this here, like you know Bryce Young, I think he was you know bigger over two hundred two hundred uh, pounds and maybe a six foot one. He will be for sure a bona fide number one. But because it's too small, it's it's risky. And after that, it's like T.J. Stroud is a great pocket passer, but he can't really move around. And as he, as you know, Q, in today's game, you got to be you've got to be a creator. You got to be a, a backyard quarterback like Patrick Mahomes and. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, and then you got uh, Anthony Richardson, which is so much unknown, but the skill set is very enticing. we like, I think for me, you know, I, I go back and forth. So the people who, who I talk to who are big Raiders fans, I don't really have an issue with Anthony Richardson because just that upside of maybe being Patrick Mahomes. Mary Patrick Mahomes was this raw prospect uh, at a Texas Tech uh, that nobody really saw, you know, coming to fruition like this special. But the Chiefs did somehow. They were number twenty-seven, I want to say, in mm-hmm. that draft, and they traded up to get them. So sometimes just trust your scouting department to say, okay, that guy is special. He's somebody I want to bet on. But yeah, when you you know every situation is different, every year is different. So maybe this whole kind of analysis that the top ten guys, maybe one does well. You know, it's it's tough to kind of judge that as a whole group thinking. But the way I see it, I like, trust your scouting department and guys who are, have that skill set that could be a Mahomes. Uh, or like Josh Allen, I know the whole, the whole story is like he made a, a, a massive leap from year one to year three. So uh, you hear stories like that, but it's only been happened once in the last ten years that Josh Allen has made that leap. So uh, sometimes you know what you get after the first year.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. And It's funny, man. Out of the four quarterbacks that are expected to go top ten, they ain't all going to be good. So someone is either going to be good, someone might be that home run, like you mentioned, Anthony Richardson. I don't know who the safe pick is because, Gilbert, I don't know if there is a safe pick. So we'll see. We'll see it all shakes out again. Gilbert Manzano is our guest for Monday Morning Quarterback here on Radio Nation Radio 920. My man damon has got one for you.
0: The position that was represented the most on this list was wide receiver, and including the honorable mentions, you have eight wide receivers that you mentioned here. I know that the game is more pass-happy, but what is it about wide receiver that makes it more of a hit when it comes to drafting?
2: Yeah, man, maybe, maybe I'm just a big fan of wide receivers because there they were some special ones in the last 10 years, but maybe just kind of look at the example of these quarterbacks that, that needed to emerge, needed a number one wide receiver. Like last year, Jalen Hurts needed an A.J. Brown. Uh, you know, you talk about Josh Allen, he and Stefan Biggs. Uh, I could probably go on and on. I'm just kind of blanking right now. Uh, but for these young quarterbacks to really kind of get a fair shake, you need a special playmaker. And, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because with the, with the Chiefs, like, you know, they got Tyreek Hill, but they shipped him off to Miami and then they did it with, with Travis Kelsey. So, Sometimes you can work, you can make it work with what you have, but I feel that getting that number one wide receiver really goes a long way to helping your quarterback. You know, and for having for me having Tyree Kill number eight, I want to say, uh, you know, maybe it's a little unfair that he had Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis, Travis Kelsey, and that's why he did so well as a as a fifth round pick. But when he went to Miami and it was still an All Pro, I'm like, okay, I've seen enough. This guy is special wherever he goes. So uh, that was a tough one for me. And then going to you know DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, and you know, I went with Devonte Adams over over DeAndre Hopkins because you know I just I think he's such a special wide receiver with the size and the route running. I know D Hop is the same way, uh, and they're, they're kind of similar. But for for some reason, for me, I just like the versatility uh, of Devonte Adams. And then you know I, I, where else did I go? I, I, oh, Justin Jefferson. Mm-hmm. The way I kind of base the way I, I base this list was like. It's kind of like the Hall of Fame. If you were, if you were for sure the top player at your position at some point in your career, you're going to make my list. So, just the Jefferson, I think we could all say, maybe Devontae Adams would disagree, that he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, uh, the rating offensive player of the year. So, if you've got an All Pro and, and you're for sure, you know, you're talked about as the best player position already in year three, that to me was pretty easy. So, uh, and then a guy like a guy like C- Cooper Cup, you know, he had that special year in 2021, won the Super Bowl. The whole end game was to win the Super Bowl. And then had that uh, triple crown for wide receivers, but just take it further. Like he's always kind of been the the stable for Sean McVay. He, like that offense wouldn't work without Cooper Cup. So I was trying to kind of remember the whole body of work. But yeah, I, I did go very uh, wide receiver uh, heavy and uh, very offensive heavy. But I try to get a couple uh, uh, defensive guys in there too as well.
0: Speaking of defensive guys, another guy that was being talked about today, not on your list, but Jeffrey Akuda, where he gets traded, and the only cornerback that you had on your list is Jalen Ramsey. Do you think that cornerback, since it, to me it's the hardest position to play in the NFL, that there is just that big bust potential because you never know at the next level?
2: Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking that because, you know, kind of give you a preview, I, you know, to kind of go off of this story, tomorrow I'm going to release my top misses of the last 10 years, so you might have <laughs> some more chaos. <laughs> <laughs> And I had an update that Jeff Okota, uh, blurred because he got traded today. And I'm like, okay, well, at least I was right there. Like I, I kind of felt harsh, you know, calling a guy a miss after three years. But you know, when the Lions go and get a uh, Cameron Sutton, uh, a, a Mosley from the 49ers, that kind of tells you they don't really buy in. So I kind of felt okay, it was okay. Uh, but it is tough, man, to play cornerback at the NFL, especially so, such a pass, pass happy lead where all the rules are in favor for the wide receiver and the offense. But you, you kind of like, you start changing your mind because of what happened the last couple of years. Like, like I love watching Patrick, Patrick Sertan play with the Broncos. Uh, you know, obviously sauce Gardner with the jets being number four. And the funny thing, like uh, I don't think there's been a number one cornerback ever drafted since like the 1950s. And we all know that doesn't count back in the day. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's tough to kind of, you know, find a cornerback that high. Uh, but if history shows recently, like, like Patrick Sertan and sauce Garner has kind of done that. Uh, and then a guy like Jalen Ramsey, I had there, like, the reason why I had him in the top 20 is, like, this guy just evolved. Like, I like the way he kind of, like, he knows today's game. He knows what works and how to kind of keep your your career going. And, like, honestly, like, I covered the Rams last year. I thought Jalen Reddard was going to get offended when we brought up, hey, maybe you might move to safety one day. He's like, yeah, sure, yeah, Charles Woodson did it. Why can't I do it? Mm -hmm. And some people kind of take it as a pride thing. Like, you got to move position because you're older. And he's like, nah, like, I'm going to stay in the league for a long time. If Charles Woodson could do it, I could do it, too. So, uh with the Jaguars, Jalen Ramsey was just a shutdown corner relying on uh a size, athleticism and obviously kinda of, uh the verbal jabs there. But with the with the with the Rams, he really like played into the scheme and uh with Brandon Staley and Raheem Morris and you know, playing this big Fangers scheme where like you gotta be the, the star cornerback and you have so many roles roles and and you know, they kinda give you a backstory. Like I remember I, I spoke to Jalen Ramsey uh, before he was gonna, you know, walk out quickly after that Raiders game where Bacon Mayfield had that crazy comeback and I stopped him and said, like, Hey Jalen, Jalen, can I talk to you about Because you, you kinda got uh you kinda I didn't say it like this, but you kinda got cooked by Devontae Adams in the first quarter and and he kept it real. He was like, Man, like I kinda get frustrated in this scheme because they don't give me the number one corner uh, wide receiver uh, at every play. I gotta play within the scheme. But he was like that day I wanted Devontae Adams and you kinda get impatient. But but I credit the, the patience of playing with the scheme. So uh, guys like that who kind of think have that mental edge are going to make it in the NFL. And, you know, obviously right now, Sauce, Sauce Gardner and uh, Patrick Sertan are young. But I think they have what it takes to be some of these great cornerbacks. Uh, and I think I did mention Sauce Gardner in my honorable mm-hmm. mention because I thought he was such a special cornerback in one year.
1: Gilbert, Gilbert Manzano is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness Just got a couple more questions for you. When uh, you look at the cornerbacks in this draft, they're very deep. Is there a guy that's a dominant player like a Ramsey?
2: Uh, it's tough to tell, but if you're going off of kind of like the early-year Ramseys, maybe it's because he set the bar so high with the Jaguars, but if you're going in terms of size and being athletic and, and relying on, on your physical gifts, it's got to be Christian Gonzalez. And, you know, just trying to do my research on him and just kind of hearing some of the guys who actually watch college football every single uh, every Saturday more than I do. Like I get, I get so focused on, on on the NFL game, but people were saying this guy was put on the show at Colorado. So before he even transferred, he, he was on the radar for being a, a, a future first round pick. So when you're at Colorado and things are you know not great around you, and he still was flashing, that's a good sign. He does it in Oregon. I know it's not the same Oregon of old, but you know better talent, better kind of. Resources, he's still shines. So, I, I just like to bet on the on the physical traits because you you can't teach that. Uh, but then again, when when you see you hear a guy like uh, Daniger and Jeremiah from NFL Network really rave about Devin Williams from Illinois and being like his number four uh, top fifty prospect, like you you got to listen. And you got to watch this guy. And maybe you, you like guys who, who are not as big, but they're feisty. And that's the kind of the, the mental kind of edge that Jalen Ramsey has. Yeah, he, he's he's big and, and he's athletic, but that kind of Getting your getting your face, not afraid for the challenge, always goes a long way for cornerback. So honestly, you know, it kind of just depends on what you want for Patrick Graham and that defense for the Raiders. What's better? Uh, I know it's kind of a similar to a Fangio scheme. Uh, so you, the more you can do, the better. So you know, I can, you can't go wrong. And, and and the more I talk about it to to people who cover the Raiders, the more I keep leading cornerbacks. But I always kind of get pulled to Anthony Richardson and watching that uh, that pro day in the combine <laughs> because. Th- that was a, a pretty uh, freakish uh, performance.
1: Yeah, it really was. And we'll close out with this. How about the defensive line? Even the offensive line, the trenches is what we like to call it, right? There was a lot of guys in the trenches. More guys on the defensive line than even on the offensive line. But uh, does that feel like maybe that's the safer position? Is the is the trenches when it comes to the top ten drafts? Yeah.
2: Sorry, you said defense, right? Not offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Defensive line. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know. You know. You, you, either either side, you can't go wrong. It's it's always a safe side, but especially in today's NFL, like. You know, going back to the list, like, you know, maybe Nick Bosa being number seven was a little too early for him because he's been in the NFL for three or four years. But that guy's a game record. Like, he changes outcomes of games. And it's not a surprise that the 49ers have made to three a- uh, sorry, NFC title games because when he's healthy, he changes the outcome. So you got to get these guys, you know. And also, too, like, you know, nowadays people thought Aaron Donald just, was just like this uh, outlier freak of uh, def- interior defensive lineman. But look at Chris Jones and what he did for the Chiefs. Uh, Even guy like Dexter Lawrence for the Giants, Uh, Quentin Williams for the Jets. Like even Mm -hmm. the guys inside are big difference makers. So you don't have to you don't have to focus too much on the edge guys. Yeah, the edge get all the love, but you got to get some guys in in the interior. And I know this draft is pretty thin when it comes to interior defensive linemen. Uh, And this one, I'm a little hesitant, but I like what people are saying about Lucas Van Ness because he can do a little bit of everything, outside, inside kind of guy. Uh, But he didn't start a game in Iowa, and that's pretty concerning. And, and kind of giving you a preview of my, uh, my draft misses, uh, it kind of reminds me of, of Dion Jordan. Uh, the Raiders, you know, smart pick to kind of trade it to the Dolphins and finally got something right in the draft. It got it stayed away from Deion Jordan, the Raiders, or at least from the draft uh, point of view, at number three. And we didn't really have, you know, you know the tape that you want to see. you got to be the number one guy in the Pac-12 or your school. And it's a concern with Lu- Lucas Van Ness, but I just like that he's versatile, so I don't know about that one. Uh, with, I think it's Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah. That guy's that guy's massive. Uh, I think you're at the combine queue, so you mm-hmm. saw the stretched out arms, and that, that's very enticing. And obviously, you know Will Anderson probably won't fall. But when you hear it, this guy got 31 tackles for loss his junior year in the SEC. Uh, you know Will Anderson's going to be a stud, so uh, you can't go go wrong with that. And after that, like I don't really know too much. I know you got the you know Murphy from Clemson, mm-hmm. Clemson Nolan mm-hmm. Smith who put on a show uh, for Georgia, and you know. When you when you look at Treyvon uh, Trayvon Walker last year, uh, you know if you don't really stand that at Georgia, you know you know it, it's tough. And I and I know you want to go with the intangibles, the raw prospects. So you know definitely like like go back. You know hopefully the Raiders are trusting this uh, this scouting department because yeah you, you kind of groupthink the Raiders for all the misses with the Mayock and Gruden era. But you got to give this kind of regime a fair shake, and we'll see what they do. Uh, I guess for year two for them.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It really will. They got twelve picks to work with, so we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. At least they got twelve picks right now. They could always change. Starting on April twenty seventh. Well, Gilbert, fantastic stuff. Again, man, your piece was great. I mean, I, I reached out to you immediately after I checked it out. Again, it's called NFL Draft: The Twenty Best Draft Picks Over the Past Ten Years. It's on Monday Morning Quarterback si Check it out, Gilbert. You kind of gave us a tease on what you're dropping tomorrow, but uh, let us know again what you're working on.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, the, the I didn't do uh, 20, I didn't rank the 20 uh, draft whiffs of the last 10 years. I feel like it's a little unfair, uh, but I did kind of highlight a few notable ones. So, as you know, Johnny Manziel will be in there, and I think he's okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, draft misses will be in uh, for tomorrow. And then I actually have a story where I talk to a lot, to different, like, uh, you know, scouts, coaches, trainers about what it takes to, to find that quarterback prospect, and, and what do you avoid in a quarterback prospect. That's coming out next week. So uh, I took my time with that one, and uh, we'll see how it turns out because uh, a lot of people have different opinions of what you look for in a quarterback. So that will be out next week I SI.
1: Nice. Well, we'll definitely be paying attention. Again, great work, man. We definitely appreciate your time this afternoon. Keep it up, and we'll be talking soon.
2: Thank you, fellas. Appreciate the time as always.
1: Absolutely. Appreciate you. Gilbert Manzano, again, I encourage you to go check out that piece. Really Good piece of work, Monday Morning Quarterback, SI.com. 2.49 is the time. We'll close out uh, the hour when we come back. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920.
0: It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio.
1: Let's go out to the phone lines quickly. Don't have a lot of time left in this hour at 702-365-9200. Let's go out to Kill a Callie and talk to our guy, Raider Greg. Welcome to the show, my man.
3: Thanks, Q. I appreciate it, man. I love everything you do. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate you. Hey, just wanted to um, – I, I love the report from Gilbert that, from SI that was just talking to. It kind of falls into what I was saying about uh, – what I what I wanted to say about hitting on 10 through 30 because I've seen – I know you've probably seen that Devin White requesting the trade. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm thinking, uh, what about taking that seventh pick, sending that to the Bucks for Devin White and their 19th pick? And, and it just falls right into because – I like to sit back and see, like, in those later, you know, 19 to 30, just like the guy was saying, get what we're saying, to, to see how the, the, the board lays out, and then you'll still be able to get your, your corners or your defensive line that you need, because now you've got Spillane, Devin White, and you've got Diablo, who, when healthy, was really coming along, and now you got three dogs who can all cover and that can all hit, see ball, hit ball. I was calling kind of to see what you thought about that.
1: Hey, thanks for the call. Good stuff. And the only reason I wouldn't like that, and I did like Devin White a lot coming out of, out of school. I wanted the Raiders to select him. Matter of fact, in a mock draft I did, I actually picked Devin White. Uh, I just don't like it because he's on his last year of his deal, right? That's the thing about it. And so I feel like you're just kind of readying a player, and then you have to give him the big-time money. So that's the only reason I don't like it, but I love your thinking. Behind it, having the dominant players, uh, multiple dominant players at the linebacker position, kind of different styles, all of them. Spillane's not a guy that can cover me or DeMond, but he'll be able to come downhill and be able to you know, hit and tackle and stop the run. Devin White could do really good things, make some great plays, and Diablo has to stay healthy and continue to develop, like you mentioned. So I do like that a whole lot. Again, hit us up at 69187, keyword r and so don'tbebroke.com text line. And the question that we threw out there to you, we know the hit rate Really low, especially in the top 10, especially based off Gilbert Manzano's uh, piece that he put on Monday Morning Quarterback. Is it worth it in your mind to take a chance and swing for the fences or play it safe? And I put that safe word in air quotes. Let us know about it. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.